expletive what? Expletive infixation. Infixation. Is the is linguistic term for saying absolutely. Expletive infixation. It's putting an expletive within another word. And fuck and fucking. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the best for that. History. I'd like to follow me down the rabbit hole. History. I'd like to. Frankly, I want to know. Hey, welcome back to Hilf History. I'd like to fuck. Now, the fact is, as cool as you are, as lewd as your own speech may be, something happens to you when I say that F word. And it should. It's supposed to. It is the very purpose of profanity to catch your eye, your breath, spark your heart a little. And whether you love them or hate them, the fact is that every language contains words that are varyingly forbidden. And their origins, uses, and evolutions are really fucking interesting. (laughs) Now, in this episode, I sit down with close friend and hilarious L.A.-based comedian Ryan Ripple. And together, we take the dictionary right up the annals of history. So join us as we discuss the history of profanity in general, the origin of the F-word, and why the Russians just can't keep dick out of their mouths. I know, right? It's a damn good episode. I'm really glad you're here. Let's get started. My very special guest, also my BFF. BFF. Mr. Ryan Ripple. Hi, Ryan. Hey, friend. Thank you, thank you, a million thank yous. Now, there's a lot of things happening here that I want to tell my listeners about. Mm Mm-hmm. I know you, this is a podcast. You obviously can't see me, but I am sitting in an entirely different place than I usually am. I'm in Ryan's house, sitting at his dining room table. It's nice and quiet in here. So quiet. There's no children here. There's no children here. Right? No. But yogurt's here. Yogurt, you guys, listeners. <laughs> I brought my little dog, yogurt. L- listeners, yogurt is currently fast asleep in my lap. <laughs> And um, just like the Grinch, my heart grew three sizes. Oh, I've had dogs my whole life. I've never had a little dog. I found myself with this little Chihuahua Papillon mix named Yogurt. Beautiful. He came to us in the these mean streets of L.A., hungry and alone in the middle of the pandemic, <laughs> unmicrochipped. And nobody wanted him. Oh, what a gem this little yogurt is. He is a smooth, chill guy. I am deeply, deeply in love with this dog oh yogurt is a, a miracle he's he, i encourage you all if you are not already tempted to go to my instagram um go for yogurt go for yogurt if you're not if, if hilf doesn't draw you in <laughs> just go for you was my husband's babe but total babe um you don't have any pets i don't it's a shame it's a shame it's for the pets i feel like there's a lonely pet out there in la that like is missing out you are missing out on a pet but a pet is missing out. i know there's a little piece of my heart waiting to be filled by a furry creature oh see now i have the power to edit and what i can do right here is i'm just gonna have it be "Ah!" you're just gonna edit out the part about the heart it's just gonna say i have a hole that needs to be filled by a furry Mm -hmm. that's what it's gonna say it's gonna say and also my mm, grew three sizes like Mm -hmm. this and then i'm just gonna be like oh but you know what i am not mad at it you're not wrong you know put on a fozzy the bear costume and i am just like rock hard right away prove it prove it (laughs) waka 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 (laughs) hey friends i met ryan um Oh, walk with me on this memory lane here, Ryan. We met 
in the spring of 2015, mm-hmm. um, we both were auditioning to be backlot tour guides at Universal Studios Hollywood, the entertainment capital, capital of, of LA. LA. We both got the job, but very difficult hey, job. Uh, I don't want to toot. Do, 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 do. That's that my very horn. Difficult. I'm tooting. Very difficult to get this job. You got to basically memorize a fucking 80 page monologue. Like five, 600 people audition. They choose like 25 of you, and then you go through this. Long mm-hmm. training, and um, and then you wear khaki shorts and mix up your left and your right for the rest of your life. Yep. <clears throat> um, but it was a great job, so much fun. Some of the best people I've ever met, I met doing that job, including you. Including you. Ryan Ripple. We became instant friends. We were at call callback number three, mm. outside of waiting to go in to have like the face-to-face interview. And uh, we sat on that bench together, about to go in, and just kind of looked at each other. And I was like, I like you. I like you. And you were like, I like you, too. And we were like, we should be friends. And she was like, yeah. She yeah. was like, do you want to have a drink after this? And I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we did. And mm-hmm. it was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And we went to the little Mexican restaurant yep. downstairs. And we had we drank. We had some chips. We had like a couple margaritas. And we ate some chips. And then it was like, well, you'll be my wedding. Yeah. And mm-hmm. The rest, as we say. Story I'd like to just teed that right up for you. You really did. That just was teed great. It right this up is the you. you asked me what makes a great guest. That kind of that horse shit, right horse there. Shit. I will fully admit, everyone, that I did spend the last month of her pregnancy just terrified her water would break anywhere near me and shooing her away from my white rug. He's not kidding. I'm He's not, not kidding. kidding. He kept saying like, so when you know if your water breaks, like, do you like know where's the And I was like, dude, you are so much more worried about my water breaking than I am. And I, I'm going to tell you, I don't know if it's going to happen in your Prius. Yeah. I can't promise you it's not going to happen in your Prius. I don't drive a Prius anymore. I drive a really sexy Toyota SUV now, guys. I've <laughs> leveled up. Oh, boy. Um, but the other thing was I didn't know what was in the stuff. I don't know yeah, what comes was, out of there. I thought he was, it was like, like, is it blood? I was like, no, it's just it. What? He's like, is it pee? I'm like, no, it's 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 wonderful, beautiful, miracle human making fluid that if you're smart, you'll make a mask out of. Terrifying. I am so excited about this episode because, as you know, I like to swear. I like to curse. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about why I really relish profanity and why it's no accident that there is a profane word in the title of this podcast. Mm. But I'm really curious to know, what is your favorite swear word? Shit. I love shit. Shit's a great word. Shit. Like, it's just kind of, it doesn't, people it doesn't people don't clutch pearls as much for shit, you know? And I feel like just, like, it's very much more like, you can throw shit out in the middle of a, of a you know, of a good Southern Baptist church, and I think people won't, people will be like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck elicits some. I think it's the consonants. It's the fuck. Like mm-hmm. it's the k. You're That's 100% just, It's right. hard. Like it's, it stands out. Shit can, it's the sh. It just can under your breath. Just the. It literally sneaks in like shit. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a swear word. Shit. Shit. And it's not the, and it's like, there's, it can be used every which way. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Holy shit. I'm excited about this. Holy shit. Um, you know, shit. This is a bummer. Ah, oh, shit. You know, or just, you know, that's bullshit. You know, just, it's just like. <laughs> it's a very versatile word. I it's love, the, it's I, a I Swiss love, Army knife. Yeah, and I love bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit's a great word. Like, that's Bullshit's bullshit. great. And here's what's great, too, is it, like so many of these words, you're going to find that intonation means so much. So, like, that's some bullshit. Yep. And, like, do you want to come over and just, yeah. like, bullshit? <laughs> exactly. My favorite curse word is fuck. 
easily. I would. I was gonna say. I hope it's yours because you're going out. Yeah. It is a tie sometimes between shit and fuck. But like, if if I was on a desert island and I could only bring one curse word with me, <laughs> um, I would I would bring fuck. And I understand. In fact, the only people who have reached out to tell me that they don't like how much we say fuck and that there is fuck in the title of this podcast <laughs> are people who uh, honestly love the word fuck too much. It, it, it is really like keep it holy kind of deal. Like, yeah. like one of my, I'll, I'll go ahead and call her out. Her name is Maggie. She's an English teacher in Minnesota. She's a good friend of mine. She said, Dawn, I don't, the only thing is it's hard, you know, it's hard for me to recommend it to people. And I just don't love how much you use fuck. She says, I'm going to say to you what I tell my students when I hear them use it in the hallway, which is you have to save it. Like it's a great word. It's a fantastic curse word. That's why you don't say it all the time because you got to protect it. Mm. And I, I get it. I, I understand. I understand that sentiment, but it's bullshit. It's bullshit. <laughs> because it's it's bullshit. Just, it's, sorry, Maggie. And, and, sorry, Maggie. But I, I, here's, here's my first experience with it. Uh, third grade. I got I got in trouble for passing a note in class that said "fuck you" in the middle of it. And in third I, grade, very early dog. It actually rebel. may have been a little later than third. I know it was under ten. Mm. Okay, and um, I got in trouble. And the way it worked in my school is, if you got in trouble, you got a note home, which was a yellow slip, right? Yep. And uh, it basically had a brief description of your transgression. You were expected to bring this note home to your parents who would read the transgression and then sign it to prove that they that you had that told them and they it. saw it. And then you bring this note back. And I pleaded my case to the teacher. Please do not mention the F word. To my mom. My man. I will. I will. Lana. Lana. Oh, Lana Adams doesn't so like the word fuck at all. <laughs> it wasn't that we were. I was going to get. It wasn't even that fuck solicited that. I just didn't need the heat. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. And I third grade. I don't know how much heat I was getting, but I didn't need the heat. I was like, please don't mention the fuck. And I don't know how it happened, but she was like, okay. But you're going to tell her that it said fuck, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, obviously. 100%. <laughs> So I'm eight, I know. Yeah. and I'm I can I either get in trouble I, or not. I'm, I'm eight years old. I'm gonna fully take responsibility for my actions in an adult way with my mom, yeah. where I, that I could that could just possibly end my life. One hundred percent. The reason I don't want you to say it is because I would like to tell her myself. Yeah, That's yeah. exactly you read mm -hmm. this completely right. Mm -hmm. I obviously do not tell mom about it, and and fretted as you do with the paralyzing fear of the scene of the parent-teacher conference where your mom sits down and Mrs. Carlson says, Dawn told you about the fuck, right? And Lana goes, what? And, mm -hmm. right? And guess what? She never said shit. And I never got in trouble Amazing. for writing the fuck. And I, and I learned an important lesson that day, which is fuck it. Because you know what? Fuck it. And also, I wasn't being mean. I want to be clear that the note, I do remember this. I did not write fuck you to somebody like a bully and like pass a note and then look at him like, like yeah, yeah, fuck you. I am very sure that we were writing some sort of like imagined dialogue, honestly, yeah. where we were like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like we are linking arms against some like sure. invisible foe, but it was a powerful word and I remember using it. My my family is is uh, is uh, not afraid of curse words. Uh, and I think also around third grade-ish, uh, came after I came home after school, and my beloved uh, grandmother, R.I.P. Um, Yvonne, um, was a firecracker, and we went to dinner that night. And I said, 
I turned to my mom and I said, Mom, I heard a bad word at school today. My my nanny, without missing a beat, she goes, what was it, Ryan? Fuck. <laughs> and my mom just, you know, everyone just kind of, and I, oh, oh nanny, nanny. And she goes, it's just a word, Ryan. See, fuck, fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. It's just a word. We give it the power. It's not, it's just a word. God damn. That's my... That's my fantastic oh. grandmother. What was the it, word? I'm very curious. What was the word that you had actually heard? I think it was fuck. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to sure. be like, it was, I, it, yeah, it, it I, was darn. That should have been the comedy bit. Like yeah. she said, crap. Holy shit. Yeah. It's played a very important part. It, it's popped up. It's a very important moments in my life as well. It's an important word. It is. It's a sacred word. Um, it's, it's sacred and profane. I mean, some of these words just exist too long in our language not to have attached some sentimentality to it. And that is part of the reason why I included it in the title of the podcast. Hilf, history I'd like to fuck, is just good marketing. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I think it's kind of funny. It made me laugh. And, and if it made me laugh, I figured people might remember it and it might make them laugh too. But also, using the word fuck is dangerous. Because podcasts are universal, and it's still asterisked out. If you go look at this podcast on Apple or wherever you listen, you'll see that the word fuck is not written out in the title. And that mm. is because, depending on where and how you are listening, that can technically relegate your podcast into sort of these, <laughs> these distant corners that can affect your listenership and, and affect the success yes. of your podcast. Are so there episodes, are there ways, are there, do you offer the podcast with the fuck bleeped out i don't i may i mean if if the if the podcast gods decide to give me a gazillion dollars and they say you gotta have an episode you that'll know, be maggie's bleep. that'll be maggie's lucky day <laughs> yeah i'm not maggie will be like thank god <laughs> no beep it out and give me money I'm yeah gonna, yeah I'm yeah give a fuck. who cares um your bleepers are gonna make a lot of fucking money yeah they sure will <laughs> um but uh i know that it has a and when i say it's dangerous what i mean is i understand that that can affect the success of the show that that people be like i i would love to recommend as my friend maggie illuminated i would love to recommend it but i can't because you say fuck too much <laughs> um at the same time there are a gazillion podcasts out there and a lot of history podcasts and a lot of really good history podcasts and a lot of really good raunchy <laughs> history podcasts about the history of sex and the history of uh, god bless them I, I follow many of them i think you should too um and so and there's a gazillion history podcasts that are all about um the the nice side and where to have a picnic under the fucking great for good for you don't have to listen to this yeah exactly um it'll, it'll you know Yogurt just picked his head up from Ryan's lap like a groundhog. Like, keep it down. Can you guys? This <laughs> is a really profane. Um, so, and also, um, I, I included it in the title too because I, I mentioned before I am a stand-up comedian, and two of the comedians I have always respected tremendously, among many others, are Lenny Bruce and George Carlin, who profanity was not just a part of their comedy because it's uh, solicitous and reactionary and funny and blue and whatever it was. They, they also influenced law their their the profanity in their comedy changed history. Both of them. They were subject to arrest. Their sets were scrutinized to the Supreme court and the Supreme court had to decide first amendment and litigation rights and what is stand-up comedy and is stand-up comedy special. And, and these two comedians kind of ushered it through 
with their profanity as a vehicle. I just thought that was so fucking cool. It's so fucking cool. <clears throat> it's so fucking cool. And when you add the fact that I'm a youngish woman, the mother of a baby, talking about something sort of intellectual and elite, the word fuck feels like an interloper and I like it. <laughs> Same. Yes. And by the way, I mentioned George Carlin. This is a pop quiz. It's sort of like, can you name all of Santa's reindeer? Oh God. Can you name the seven Carlin seven words you can't say on television? No. Um I'm gonna assume it's fuck shit. Um the I even said my my one curse word just because it's been hammered into my head by my mom that she does not like god damn it she doesn't like god she doesn't like <laughs> oh. gd oh okay so it's gotten it's gotten in she's said it so much and i've gotten i've gotten proverbially sla- uh, slapped on the wrist for it so much oh we're gonna talk about it that i'm even that it's like a little you know but uh, i would assume it's mm-hmm. god damn it i'm gonna i would assume you can't say that on tv mm-hmm. uh Oh, uh, yeah. So, okay, so you did got I get three. three? You got There's three. You seven? said shit. You said shit. Fuck. Well, this is George Carlin's Are they curse list. words we're gonna, or yeah, actual words? They're actual We're going to get into this. But, but Carlin said there were seven words you can't say on television. The reality is there is no such list, if only there were. Carlin's seven words you can't say on television are shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. <laughs> <laughs> Which always so funny. I mean, so instead of, <laughs> instead, of, instead of like being the household that has like live, laugh, love framed on your wall, readers, um, I think me and Don would arguably be the ones that would be like, George Carlin's seven words you can't say on TV, just like printed in giant black letters and framed on your wall. Or like burned elegantly into like driftwood. You should do that. That should be merch. (gasps) That should be podcast merch. Damn, you just did it. That's it. Framed. George Carlin's seven words framed. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Get the whole set. Get the whole set. (laughs) I'm going to timestamp any any piece of shit that comes out with something like this after this podcast airs. You owe me Mm -hmm. a lot. I like to lay out my research so people know I'm not making this shit up. She's In not, this instance, y'all. I'm really not making this shit up. So here were the two books. I read two books this time, which I'm very impressed with myself because Did you bring I, up? Yeah. Well, I brought the one. The other one I read on my digital reader, which oh. I never really do in large part because I can't underline and write and do all of yeah. my bullshit in the margins. So um, the the primary source uh, of a lot of the information you're going to be hearing from me today comes from this book, Nine Nasty Words by John McHorder. Oh. And, and his last name is spelled like hoarder, Hor- like a whore, which I find Hor- very great, John McHorder. And, um, and then the other one is called What the F by Benjamin Bergen. He is a cognitive scientist. Ooh. So, Love uh, that yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. So Jay McHorder comes at you with the linguistics, history of words, how words are formed. And then Benjamin Bergen comes at me with the brain shit. Would fuck both of those men sight unseen just from, <laughs> for those resume credits alone. Okay, well, those I are will, my type of people. We'll at them and, I'll, <laughs> and we'll hook you up with them. Um, anyway, and then, of course, a lot of personal research on this particular episode two Mm -hmm. books and a lot of personal research i can't wait ryan ripple let's fuck let's fuck we talked a little bit about george carlin and the supreme court and how his specific set seven words you can't say on television changed things question do you know about this did you know that george carlin's seven words you can't say on television got to the supreme court and changed law no i wasn't aware of this either I, i vaguely remember hearing the anecdotal evidence that 
Lenny Bruce and George Carlin both got arrested and or their sets changed laws. But I, I, I didn't know the details until I read these books and did the research. So George Carlin has a few different sets. Have you heard the seven words you can't say on television? You know the bit. You've heard him Is it do. A bit? A, it, it, yeah, it's a stand up bit. No, I'll be a, a very he bad did... stand up comedian right now and, and say that I haven't seen a lot of George Carlin. But um, such a good, honest answer. Yeah. So George Carlin started doing comedy in the 60s, actually, and was doing it sort of traditionally and didn't love it and kind of dropped out of it for a while. And when he came back to stand-up comedy in the 70s, he was edgy as fuck and ready to make money. He was on the first episode of Saturday Night Live, and he was just ready to really kind of stick it to the man and twist the knife and fuck it. And, and, and literally. <laughs> and so one of his early bits in the early in 1972, he performs his first stage recorded production of the seven words you can't say on television. He does it at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium. And the words once again are shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker and tits. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I strongly encourage you to go find you can find this a million ways. It, the original title was seven words you can't say on television, but he did this bit like a rock star does their best ofs for the next 15 to 20 years. Some of the words changed a little bit. Um, he titled it Dirty words uh, words you can't say you know there was very but this was the first rendition okay it's very popular people love it not only because it's so blue and it's so like we haven't heard this shit before but he's really smart about it and he talks about like why why do these words have such power they're just words like why can't i yell tomato and right. you know like why and how have these words evolved to make to send people to jail yeah for saying it so five-ish years later 1977 um, a radio station in California airs 12 minutes of this n- n- seven words you can't say on television bit from George Carlin with a little warning ahead of time. Like, <laughs> this is pretty blue, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's aired at like two o'clock in the afternoon. Some uptight fuck, his name is John Douglas. He is a member of the Morality and Media Society, is in his car with his, with his 15-year-old son, and he's... <laughs> outraged he's traumatized he's certain his son is traumatized and he writes to the fcc and is like how dare you you know this i'm a hospital my son my 15 year old son fucking nerd i don't care and i'm a historian i don't care where when or how you fucking live there is no dirtier piece of shit than a 15 year old boy Oh, God. <laughs> there is no creature on this planet in less need of protection from profanity than a 15-year-old boy. Are you nuts? Anyway, the FCC puts this radio station on notice. Is like, hey, man, that violates. You can't do that. And the radio station, which is WBAI, and it's like umbrella company is Pacifico, you know, broadcasting, is like, yeah, we can. You know, it's 1977, girl. Let's dance. Like, yeah, we can. Yeah. We can say whatever we want. And it goes up the chain of the legal system all the way to the Supreme Court. Can the FCC shut us down, fine us, tell us what we can't say on the radio? And in this sort of uniquely American moment, the American Justice Department comes in and fights on the side of the radio station. Hell yeah. Against the FCC, another government agency. Hell yeah. Under the auspices of the Supreme Court our ultimate government. I'm just like, amen, hell yeah, America. Fuck yeah, America. It is one radio station doing what they want, a citizen saying, you can't do that, and then all of the levers being like, let's hash it out. Mm -hmm. Great, right? Ultimately, the FCC, quote unquote, wins that case. They find, yeah, 
the FCC can regulate what you can do, what you can broadcast on the radio. But the defense was like, look, we can't air the Watergate tapes if we can't have profanity. So how can we as journalists talk about Nixon and air any part of like real journalism because they swore like crazy in those Watergate tapes, right? And the little did they know of the pussy grabbing, that, which was another FCC issue. There was a lot of questions about how can they, my kids and all this. And they were like, well, it's the news. And the president said it. So oh, yeah. there's already been kind of a gray area in like oh, what yeah. we're allowed to yeah. censor. Yeah. Because if we censor it, then you didn't hear the president say this thing. And you should probably hear that. Yeah. So they were like, if we can't talk about what's happening in the world with our major government officials, then that is important censorship. We can't have that. So the Supreme Court is like, okay, so here's the official ruling. Yes, the FCC can regulate speech and, and, and limit some things that, you, that you're allowed to say. They can limit what is obscene, but not what is indecent. Okay. As if these words were universally defined and had no gray area. And I'm guessing this means just like to clarify, they can tell you what to say, not just overarching declaration of like, they can tell you whenever I'm guessing it's just like in public on public airwaves. Right. Exactly. So when this came down, which it was finally ruled on in 1978, we did not have the internet. We did, we barely had, we didn't have anything really like cable yet. So they're really just talking about radio and television as it existed in 1978. And, and even that obscene, what's obscene and what's indecent, I, you know, they were literally like, we'll know it when we see it. If only they had a list of words like George Carlin laid out, then you would know you can't say these words. And some of those words like fuck is clear. You, everyone knows you can't say fuck. Right. But you can say ass, and George Carlin talks about this, and you can say ass if you're talking about a donkey, but you can't say ass if you're talking about a person being an ass or someone's ass. You can say, you know, damn, you know, it's also, and and we can't like, how can this be how we legislate? Like it's all about interpretation. And basically the Supreme court was like, totally. And yes, it is about interpretation and we will be doing the interpreting and we'll pretty much let you know when, when we hear it, what they had originally ruled on covered television and radio as we understand it. They later, or maybe even at the time, I'm not sure, frankly, when subscription cable officially started, but there was always an exemption for subscription services. Right. The idea from the Supreme court being, if you don't like it, you end your subscription. Right. But if it's just like you turn the TV on and it's on, you even though i'm like you can change a channel but maybe not because remember there were only three channels you know exactly there's not a lot of channels so you can't and kids they always use the you know umbrella of the kids we got to protect the kids even though my roku home screen with my three-year-old daughter frequently shows images of violence and fear i was about to say uh yeah let the kids go play their fucking you know war video games and and i'm even about i'm just talking about like what they're afraid just like flashes in front of the eyes of children yeah they allow violence everywhere violence and monsters the things that are going to interrupt my daughter's sleep and f up my life i can't believe i just used yeah you just you just edited you just edited (laughs) yourself you know why it's because my daughter is i was using a sentence about my daughter oh oh, oh. honestly i think that was part of my brain just self-edited i did that's amazing um (laughs) self-censor it happens sometimes you need to um but the number of times that my daughter sees an image flash across the screen that's going to scare her that i have to get between and figure out and try to filter and try to protect her from is always something scary and violent is that guy 
trying to kill that man? What's wrong with her eyes? You know, whereas like she sees boobs and butts constantly. Her life is a slideshow. She's boobs got and some butts. for God's sake. <laughs> They're gorgeous. <laughs> I, I wanted to just tell a brief version of the history of George Carlin and how his stand-up comedy set that included a series of profanity ultimately led to real legislative change in America all the way up to the Supreme Court. And Lenny Bruce did it first. Yes. When he got arrested in the 1960s, he and his bits and how they went through the legal system established stand-up comedy as a special entity, that it is social commentary, and it does not get the same scrutiny as other things. And it shouldn't, and I will argue for the rest of my life, um, that it's a very special it is. medium. Yes, it is. So here... Girl. Girl. Is what we're going to do. Okay. So I'm going to tell you the history of cursing in general. I'm going to do some uh, how our brains, neurological stuff go down. And then we're going to go through the history of some of the best words. We're going to do the history of fuck. We're going to do the history of shit. And I'm going to then go with a word that even I don't say. Mm. You? There's a word I'm going to talk about that even I don't don't say which is going to be a trick wow because i'm going to talk about it without saying it so is this going to be the history of the word fuck or history of curse words in general mm, all, of the above. all of the above history i'd like to fuck what shit a, cunt what shit, a way it's a, what a way what a, this is my i couldn't have i could not have imagined a better first podcast experience for myself than this one right now <gasps> i'm so honored what a fantastic subject also, I'm sitting across from you on this table right now, figuring out like how to discreetly pour wine into our glass. Oh, I know, I know. I should tell I'm you. I'm like, Richard, am I allowed? Yes, you I may. don't know what's allowed. Can I pour? Can I pour? You, I pour am you, I allowed? Pour to... you and me. And if you pour wine on this recording equipment, girl, and you break it, girl. Girl, I'm pouring wine right now. <laughs> Cheers. I mean, how could I not be having a blast? History, my best friend, and the wine just doesn't stop flowing. <laughs> I hope you're having as much fun listening as we are recording. And if you are, don't worry. You don't have to miss us when the episode is over. Follow us on Instagram to see photos and links to all my research, including George Carlin's 1972 Seven Words You Can't Say on Television. Uh, while you're there, you can also see announcements of live events and really cute photos of yogurt. So be sure to... Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow. Are the it's listeners going to pick up on the do. fact that I <laughs> am pouring wine across the table right now? Sometimes oh. your glass needs to be filled, oh. girl, before the time comes. Now, your eyes lip, I'm going to tell you, when I told you that I read a book from a cognitive scientist, your eyes lit up, you, you're you so excited about stuff. this part. Okay, so your fucking brain, man. So language in most of us lives in the left side of your brain. Okay? But when you curse, the right side of your brain lights up. So just technically, from a neurological level, everything you've described and that you feel like why curse words are different is like neurologically backed up. And, I, and, and when you think about it, it shouldn't feel that strange because we already know that. If you um, have ever heard of anyone who had a traumatic brain injury that affects their language center, it often does not affect their cursing 
<laughs> including older people when they start going through dementia and stuff they will lose all sorts of names and their curses just start coming out free flying and people will say i mean granny who never said anything is suddenly like that cunt fuck bitch motherfucker did. <laughs> and they're like what these words kind of come unlocked similar with uh tourette's one yeah. of my best friends in the whole world her mom has tourette's why does the cursing profanity center of the brain gets so triggered in some of these specific conditions it is because cursing lives in a different part of our brain why well the prevailing research seems to say that the idea is that cursing contains words but isn't limited to words it transcends words it's like we're expressing ourselves and generally human beings we're expressing ourselves in language or grunts and sounds but when you can fit sort of an emotional it's, punctuation yeah. into the a collection of sounds and, feeling. Yeah. and it and it's it, it, it's about how it affects you when you say it combined with how it affects the person who hears it so the word itself is almost a conversation, right? Because like Completely. I said, you can't yell tomato and feel a, a significant cognitive difference. And one of the ways that they test that, so they've left brain and right brain and what lights up when you curse is one thing. Another way that they've tested this scientifically is with pain thresholds. So putting your hand in a bucket of ice, you can say anything you want. The, you know, you're, the how long you can keep your hand submerged in that bucket of ice and endure the pain can be measured. How long could you stand it? And they'll do it before you can curse, saying you can't curse. And then they do it after, saying you can say fuck as loud as you want. Just don't take your hand out. And to a person, you can endure the pain longer. The pain affects you less if you can curse. Mm. It really changes how your body reacts to pain, how it recovers from pain, how it expresses pain. Who We don't know all of these connections, but it's demonstrable how much different it is. You can't put your hand in a bucket and scream tomato <laughs> at the same frequency and with the same look on your face and achieve the same biological effect that cursing does. So it is a fascinating, fascinating uh, cognitive uh, situation. And why I have to raise a glass to my friend Maggie, because she is correct. It's a sacred word. It is and we a sacred give, but that word, doesn't yeah. mean we shouldn't say it. By the way, you're going to hear my friend Ryan and I clink glasses. And I suspect for my listeners, it's not going to be the last evidence they have that we're just chugging <laughs> wine. No. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Mm. Mm. Sitting across from someone, if, you know, like, hey, you know, my grandma died or hey, I have cancer, just saying, fuck, mm. is it that carries everything that you need to convey. It, mm -hmm. co it conveys empathy. It conveys a feeling of like, I'm in the trenches with you. I understand. I'm so mm -hmm. sorry. How That's awful. And nothing conveys it better. And I feel like, especially for the way that we communicate, if I were just to sit across from you and be like, fuck, mm. that's it. And that is the power of a word that has evolved over a long period of time is the way that it permeates your understanding and the ways, the deep and, and leveled ways that you do communicate. It's how we know that these words are old yep. and have been around a long time. And I'm sure you will tell us how old they are. I will. Of course I will. It's health, girl. <laughs> when you're talking about cursing, there's really three levels and three kinds of cursing. To an extent, the author, John McWhorter, 
layers these levels chronologically, which is fair because we do sort of evolve and these words evolve with us. Some of them get more harsh and intense and some then kind of fall away. They don't bother us as much. So there is sort of a chronological level. But you mentioned earlier that your mom still like bristles when you say goddamn. And that's the OG. Sorry, mom. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) I apologize. Um, but that's the OG. So it's hard to say that that for all people all the time, these words fall away because the, they're landmines. Right. You, you find you stumble upon a word that just really yeah. <laughs> gets under people's skin. You're like, okay. Well. Um, but, but it is true that there are generally three kinds of cursing. The first is cursing against God. Things that offend God that literally call down the curse of God upon someone else. Jesus. Jesus. God damn, go to hell. For example, oh, these. I were... love that you described it as calling down a curse to someone else, and just because of that description, I'm going to use them much more often. I love calling down a good fucking curse on <laughs> it somebody. It really feels good. These were the big ones that would get you in the most trouble and were the most offensive in the Middle Ages, which is a give or take 500 AD to about 1500 AD. Then you get into cursing, where the worst thing you can say is about your body, the what is private, your shit and your fucks, things that have to do with feces and sex become the new big ones because we have we're moving into our private lives and these things are to be hidden and these things are to be kept behind doors so they they these words then at a new time in human evolution get even more strength then you move into the third phase which is the worst thing that you can say the most profane thing to be uttered from your lips is a slur against a group of people Yes. Okay. So again, the evolution kind of goes from cursing. The worst thing you can say is against God. The worst thing you can say is about the body, natural uh, organs. And then the, the worst thing you can say is against a group of people in a, in a harsh and slurring way. These are sort of the three pools of cursing. Um, the OGs, as I said, are your hells and your dams. Why is Laura Ripple... She's not a deeply religious woman. I, Why yeah, I would say think... she's a deeply spiritual woman. Um, and knowing full well that she's going to listen to this podcast 100%. I'm trying to get this exactly right for her. <laughs> Love you, Mom. I think she'd be the first person to say, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, but definitely believes in in a God and definitely would consider herself a Christian person. And I think is... Um, I think is kind of... It feels disrespectful to her um, to say that, to say, you know... God damn it. Which is so funny. It really is hard. It, doesn't, it is. I it can see It takes a minute. I can see you struggling she's with really, it. She's gotten in there. You got in there, mom. I feel like when it comes to hell, God damn, God damn it, um, a lot of times people are reacting in a way that is sort of akin to superstition. Mm-hmm. You don't say it. Right. Because you can't take that heat. Right. Like, it's the same reason, like, I lived on a boat for a lot of years. There's a lot of superstitions on boats. Right. I am not a superstitious person. I barely read my horoscope. I don't care about what's in retrograde. (laughs) I don't, right? But when I lived on my boat and somebody stepped on board without asking my permission. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, fuck with that. Right? Or I watched one day a neighbor scraping the name of a boat. Off the back of you the don't do that. If you are going to change the name of a boat, you have to. And why? Because you're going to sink. Why? Because what everyone knows when they live on a boat is you are going to sink. That boat is a fragile little paper mache 
thing on your fragile little paper mache body out there in an element designed to kill you. And you can't take any chances out there. And is not our body a frail little paper boat out there in the world? And who has the long list of good deeds or whatever that can tolerate a God damn it. And God goes, what's that? (laughs) You little skin sack? (laughs) Well, you got it. So you knock on wood or you do whatever because you don't fuck with God, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And we know that this is the basis of these because every word that we have for a curse word goes back to this. A curse word, calling a curse down from God. A swear word. I've never put that together before. A swear word, swearing upon God, swearing to something in the eyes of God. Or you use the word profanity. The opposite of profane is sacred. You are using profane language that is not sacred. So even the few words that we have for these forbidden words link us to don't fuck with God. Right. That's the bottom line, right? And that's fair. Part of the reason why hell and damn had this original power and continue to have this power in the ears and eyes of Laura Ripple and many, many others um, is because this was long before we had a consistent written language. There There was plenty of examples of human written language, but for the most part, the average person couldn't read or write. So their only form of communication was spoken. And right. so what mm-hmm. you say just has more value. Right. And if you say... God damn you to eternal hell. Ooh, that girl's mad. Girl, you have put out into the world in a spoken thought the best thing you, the only way that you can put out into the universe a thought in your brain. You can't write it. You can't shoot a TikTok. You can just speak it. And you spoke it, girl. It's a big deal. Two, by the way, that's literal. The divine is literal. And God is going to do something. And it, now it's your fault. And three, um, the church didn't fuck around. So even if God didn't smite somebody or there was no sort of line from your solicitation of the divine to do something on earth, the church don't like it. And they're, um, in a word, intolerant Mm. of things like that. That certainly applies. That certainly applies. (laughs) And so these words, that's simultaneously why hell damn God were our original curse words and why as the church diminished in power and a ubiquitous belief in the same monotheistic God and the tenants from this monotheistic God diminished, so did the power of the words that so deeply offended those institutions. Um, which is where we get the birth of the word. Oh, oh man, are we talking are we talking like first recorded oh, written one. first written or first yes. recorded evidence of the time fuck was used? I went written. to the heart of fuck. I went deep into the bowels of fuck and I found the slippery Very placenta from which fuck emerged. I have a question before I give it to you. What do you think? I'm I'm curious about your predictions. I'm very and I well I've been thinking about this a lot before the episode. Like was it a you know because fuck is has a lot of meaning and a lot of whatever you know we say what the fuck like you know uh oh goodness yogurt yogurt is very offended by that. I was wondering if the if its first context was the sexual context of Mm. of fucking being uh fucking being kind of a a, you know a slang for sex. Mm -hmm. It was. And it, hell yeah. Hell yeah, it was. Hell yeah. Damn right. Um, yes, fuck 
in its first solicitation came from its original meaning, which we believe was intercourse. The origin of a lot of English words can be hard to pinpoint because of all the wars. Very few words emerge completely and fully formed. You know, you have sort of a Latin root. And, That's or I was, you have I was a like, did, did it have a Latin it root? Comes, is, is it, we're going to yeah. be like, fuck, which is based in the Latin yeah. word fucace, which means like, you know what I mean? Totally. And sometimes you have like deja vu. Deja vu is obviously a French word, but now it's an English word. That means, you know the what I mean? same thing. So the words have been evolving like that all the t- time. Like, what is deja vu? Well, it's a word. We we get it now. English has deja vu now, <laughs> even though we don't know where to put the accent and, you know. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but it's still ours. So the first recorded written fuck was in 1528. Oh, my God. It is an anonymous monk which were one of the few individuals who could read and write. They were sort of the keepers of written language, largely in this period of time. And he is writing some shit. He's writing some. That's why it's anonymous is he's dishing, girl. And he writes O-D-fucking-abbot. So in the, with this phrase, you know, as, as, as historians are looking through this thing that he wrote, it's O-D-fucking-abbot. And so they're like, what is this? At first, they're like, OD fucking Abbott. So it was old fucking Abbott and like the L wore off. Maybe because it's old as shit, right? It's a 1528 manuscript. And then historians were like, no, there was never an L there. Like you can tell in the transcript, there was there's not a letter that wore off. But the dash is always sort of self-censorship. It's people who want to write a swear word but don't want to have written it. So there's usually the first letter and then a dash. You may or may not have seen this written out in new or old documents. Self-censorship. Similar to the way that the title of this podcast has the asterisks right. over the over the UC. Right. Because I don't want to makes it palatable. write the whole... It makes it palatable, right. But what the the con- prevailing wisdom on this is that the original phrase was the uh, the O-damn-fucking-abbot. So the self-censorship was still on the word damn, because that was the bad word in 1528. Yeah. Fucking is new. If you're going to be careful with a word in, yeah. the f- in the sentence that is, oh, damn, fucking abbot, the word you got to censor is damn. Especially if you're a monk. In 1528, especially if that, you'll write in this at all. Yeah. <laughs> but what he's saying is, this abbot, that fucks. So to your point, yes, the word fuck, as it was written down for the first time, was this abbot be fucking. Oh, the and, monk was spilling and tea. Exactly. So damn this guy for being a fucking intercoursing abbot. Oh my god. But the word again that's censored is damn because fucking isn't a problem yet because all that's still just a description. He's be, be fucking. So the question then is we know that it was a spoken swear word before this abbot writes it down in 1528 because yeah. he heard it and it came from somewhere. And so he's writing down the word that he's heard fucking. So, so now the, the work of a historian and a linguist is like, okay, so this is the first time. And it had to be fair. If you're deeply into the history of this, it is written in other places. The reason this 1528 anonymous monk is sort of the, it's because it's the unequivocal use of the word fucking, which is to fuck. Yeah. As, as in intercourse, yeah. right? And because it's in the sentence with another curse word that is censored out, it's sort of like, we can debate, but this is really the one that you can't debate. This is the first time we see fucking right. and written down. And he even does the F-U-C-K. 
um, and I N apostrophe. It's not fucking. It's fucking. fucking. It's fucking. Just fucking. Yeah. How were people using it, and how are people speaking it? Is in debate again. You can only guess if unless it was written in the lines of a play, unless it was written in a letter or a diary or one of these. We don't know how the people on the streets were saying it. What we know is that the Vikings word for fucking is fuck us. And the Vikings invade England in 787 AD and they be fucking these English women. So if they're going to find a word that everyone's going to need to know, it's going to be like soup, bathroom, fucking, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beer. Like if we're going to find a handful of words that we share, this one's probably going to be right up there. Then this language that is sort of Viking, Old English, is the root of Norwegian, Danish, Swedish. Then you have, give or take 700 years later, in the year 1066, the Battle of Hastings. And this is generally when the French, the Normans, come in to this region. And there's a whole new amalgamation of these Roman, Greek, languages, Slavics all smashing together. So there's yet another mixing of pots. Like, what what words are we going to keep? What words are we going to lose whose whose language is going to be the prevailing english that we you and i inherit right right and it makes sense that of all of this we would keep fucka in part because it was the root of all of these other languages and because of something you mentioned earlier on which is how good it is to say in english we select and preserve swear words and curse words generally that are one syllable and end in a consonant so fucka Makes sense. You mentioned some of the uses of the word fuck, how we use it and how it's evolved. One of the ways we know this word is old is because of how many things it means, how many ways we can use it. Um, so here, here is, it's a, it's a, not an exhaustive list, but it's pretty complete. Are okay. you ready? Yes. Okay. Any, any, you want to add, amend, or, you know, add in your favorites. Let me know. Okay. Sure. One is fuck is used generally as emphasis. But if you told a brand new English speaker or an alien visiting that fuck is simply emphasis, it would obviously be woefully incomplete. Okay. So as emphasis, it was fucking scary. It's a great example of how fuck is used for emphasis. The word fucking in that sentence means really. You could take out the word fucking and put in really. It was really scary. Got it. Fuck as a destruction. Fuck it up. I'm going to go in there and fuck it up. Fuck does not mean really in that sentence, and it doesn't mean sex. No. For you to understand what the term fuck it up means, you need to sort of have already chewed on the nuance of the word fuck, right? The third way it's used is deception. He really fucked me over. Yeah. But even still that one, I feel like, and and the fuck it up, it is kind of... It still falls under the umbrella of sex to me because when you're like, if you, you know, if you, when you say like you bent, like, you know, he really fucked me. Like the sense of like you bent, you bent someone over and you just fucked them. Like that's kind of in the same, like mm-hmm. I fucked it up. I think is kind of the same when it's used in kind of like the negative derogatory um, connotation that if you're, if you're fucking something up, you're bending it over and you're fucking something up. Totally. Or if he fucked me. You're saying he he really bent me over and just like gave it to me hard and just sure. like in in a bad way and I think we all you know I to me it's the same umbrella in I my think that head it is it is an umbrella but it's an umbrella with lots of tangents because you're right the root being sexual intercourse right 
is key to the understanding. It's like a shade. It's like a filter over the word. Yeah. Right? But the difference between it was fucking scary. That's totally different. It fucked me up and he fucked me over are actually different words. I'm saying totally. again because I am teaching a child how to speak and understand. <laughs> I am, to be clear, not starting with curse words. <laughs> but I do understand that just that um, there is right, the direction, and there is right and wrong. Right. And just having... <laughs> right. And Exactly. So there's these fun little stumbles in all languages where you have to explain that they're spelled the same, sometimes not, that they sound exactly the same, but they can mean two different things. So you have to really listen to the context of the whole sentence, and you have to consider your speaker to determine how that word is being used. Which is so interesting. Totally interesting. And so complex. So complex. You may have an understanding that is tied to the sexual act, but you understood what this word meant long yeah. before you had sexual intercourse or even knew what sexual intercourse was, in large part because of how the word was used, right? Um, fourth way is dismissal. Fuck it. Ugh. And if somebody looks at you and goes, fuck it, you don't worry if they mean you want me to go have intercourse with it, <laughs> or you mean it is really something significant. You understand that in just those two little words, you mean throw it away. Don't worry about it. Get rid of it right? Um, the fifth way, it's daunting. Get your fucking hands off me. Right. You do not take out the word fucking in that sentence. You cannot say, get your really hands off me. No. Get your... Daunting is, I am emphasizing, so it is still emphasis, but I'm emphasizing it in a super nuanced, sophisticated way that lets you know the seriousness of what you're saying. Your fucking hands, right? <laughs> yeah. The and then so and this is again that's one of my favorites. It's so juicy. It's one and of my then favorites. One of the last ones is what what the author uh, I think it's the best description I heard uh, describes as the down to earth use, which is I mean he built the fucking space shuttle. Again, it's emphasis, but you wouldn't say real. He built the really space shuttle. Yeah. That's not, he built the sexual intercourse space shuttle. No, so it's not that. He built the fucking space shuttle. It's it's emphasis that has to do with ex, with um, exhilaration, with um, exaltation, that again is nuanced and not contained in another word. Yeah. The only thing, I, honestly, when somebody's like, you can't say fucking, but you still need to convey that feeling, I'd be like, he built the motherfucking space. Yeah, I don't yeah, know what else I don't know. Say. There's nothing you can replace it with. I That's mean, adequate. The, all I'm doing then is like with my face and with the way I say space shuttle, yeah. but fucking does that for me. Right? Yeah. The other wonderful thing that and the word... And what was the word that... How did he describe it? That's your favorite the way? The down to earth. The down to earth. Because that's that's what that's one of the things I thought about too as we've been talking about it. It's interesting that he described it that way. Is that how... That is... There is a, a moment of for some reason like when someone curses around you, you feel like you're seeing a more authentic... You know, there's something... It is a down to earth. There is a connective where you're like, oh, you know, behind closed door, this person was like, that fucking guy. You're like, we're having a moment right now. Like, I'm seeing... Authenticity. Yeah, you're seeing... Yeah, there is a part of it that is, like, linked to authenticity because you're like, I'm seeing... I've always been obsessed with, like, celebrities that are super clean on TV, like, hearing interviews or something that's kind of, like, off the record or them in a more real moment at home where they're just like, this fucking da-da-da-da-da, and hearing them curse, and you're like, I like you better now. Right. Because it is, there is a down-to-earth, authentic, you're letting me see a, a kind of a real side of you that's just like everybody else, and I don't know why hearing them say fuck or any kind of curse word signals that to me, but it that's does. how it feels. There is a down-to-earth. And I'm a potty mouth. 
I, I mean, people, my whole life, people have known, like, oh, fucking Don's gonna fucking, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And um, one of the reasons why I knew Andrew Melby and I were going to fall in love, and it was a perfect match, was because when he took me home to meet his mom, she said fuck before I did. Ugh. And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> did we just Bliss. become best friends? And we did. But here's the other special thing that fuck can do. And other swear words can do it, but not as effortlessly as fuck can. Are you ready for a new phrase? This is going to be your new favorite phrase. Oh, my God. Expletive infixation. Expletive what? Expletive infixation. Infixation. Is the is linguistic term for saying absolutely. Expletive infixation. It's putting an expletive in within another word. And fuck and fucking absolutely it's the best for that and we all know again nobody probably until right now has sat you down and explained the rules of expletive infixation not at all you just knew as a speaker and learner of this language that you can put fucking in the middle of a word as long as it has two equal emphases emphasize <laughs> on either side so you can say absolutely but you can't say are fucking tistic Ooh. Right? No. Um, you can say or... massa fucking chusets. Hey. But you can't say my fucking Amy. <laughs> I mean, you can. And by the way, I you can. Know. That one didn't you kill can. me as bad as <laughs> my that. But what you'd say instead is massa fucking chusets fucking Miami. Like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? How and where do we put fucking? Right. To... Like if you were to say Dallas, like Dal fucking ass. Like that does not Ex work. Dal fucking ass doesn't work. Fucking Dallas. Fucking Dallas. Aw fuckistin. Yeah. No. Mm -mm. No. Mm -mm. No. Hugh fuckist. No. 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 South fucking bend. Yes. <laughs> San fucking Diego. Even mm, that, I don't know. No, it doesn't see, work. Exactly. Los what fucking you, Angeles. What, that works. Uh, kind of. What you learned is it has to have a sharp emphasis that is balanced on either side of fucking. And if you can do that, you can expletive infix yeah. <laughs> fucking into whatever you want which is very exciting oh, yes. now we love fuck you and i are not the only ones in the world who love fuck it's a very exciting word and as we have explained it is in incredibly useful and versatile i was very curious perhaps you are too perhaps you listener are too do all languages i mean a lot of people are speaking that was English. my next question i know i again my my podcast analytics i have listeners from all over the world who I'm assuming speak English because they understand this podcast, but may or may not speak many other languages. I don't, I speak a little French, a little Italian, a little Spanish. And most of those, you only learn the cursing, right? <laughs> frankly. Yep. But I was very curious to know if cursing and swearing function similarly and dissimilarly in other languages. And That's exactly what I was going to ask. Oh. oh my God. We're so in We're sync. So in sync. What you find is that generally, yes, because it's a very human brain thing, which is the, that there's a neurologically wired place for words that are sort of forbidden and express things in a, in a syllable and in an instance that are shorthand, that are sharp expressions and sharp understandings. and That contain a lot of meanings in one very short burst of And the idea word. is, too, I mean, you, I don't know how many really traumatic situations you've been in where you got to get a bunch of people to get going awfully quickly. Mm. What you need is for their heart to race and their eyes to dilate. You need to get away for everyone to go, right? And you can do a loud sound. 
right? You, there's a lot of ways that you can suddenly inspire a bunch of people to get up and do a certain thing. And one of the best ways is get the fuck up, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You know when your mom said it or anybody, maybe your mom didn't say it. I, yeah, like Laura, Laura Ripple, has, she has no problem saying fuck. But it has to have a neurological impact on you. It mm-hmm. has to make your heart skip. And it can't just be the sound, the, the, the loudness or the pitch. I need to get you. Right. And this is a word that gets you. So, of course, in all other languages, of course, they have different words, but they need a word that does it. Here's are you ready? This is one of my favorite things I found. Apparently, and I would really love anyone out there who's listening who speaks Russian, is Russian, would love to give me more information about this. I can't wait to hear from you. But what I learned recently is that in the Russian language. They love dick. Oh, Russians love dick. Americans love fuck. Russians love dick. This is a long ass list. Just super ironic for a country <laughs> that uh, criminalizes homosexuality. But is continue. It? But is it? It's not. I mean, the it's or ironic. Would a it's ironic. Science, yes. Scientists tell you that these are actually intrinsically linked. Of course, linked. of okay. course. Well, everyone can. That's but. But the listen irony to how much delicious. dick. Listen to how much dick. Russians, fuck with. Okay, <laughs> this is. Some phrases and how it is loosely translated in Russian. If you say in English, you have zero, zip, nothing. In Russian, you would say not a dick. (laughs) If you want to say, oh, nothing in particular. There's nothing in particular going on here. In Russian, you could say no special dick. Oh, wow. Um, You beat him up. Boy, I saw that guy. I really beat him up. In Russian, you'd be basically saying I really dicked him up. Wow, they are obsessed. Smashed to pieces is dick to pieces are you crazy in russian is are you torn off your dick oh my god get this one shitty is basically dickly in russian um not on your life in english is a dick up your ass oh in russian one of your favorites <laughs> in america who dicks knows? up my ass if you were, <laughs> dicks up my ass are my favorite favorite thing. that's my favorite um who knows in english is dick knows in russian in American in English, you'd say, no way. In Russian, it's dick to you. In English, you'd say, out your ass. And in Russian, you'd say, up your dick. Jesus. Same either way is same dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be goddamned is not even a dick do I have. <laughs> oh, my God. And, in, and if you're twiddling your thumbs in English, you are swinging your dick at a pear tree. Oh, that is very specific. In Russian. That's they, very specific. There, I want you to just look at my notes. Look at how many you uses. You wrote all look of at, these look down. Look at how many uses we have for fuck. I'm, compared to how many this? uses. I'm going to keep this as, as like, <laughs> or at least get a copy of it just to just like commemorate my first podcast experience. I'm I will give this. you, I will give you my book. list of Russian dick phrases. I never Please. thought in any, in, I would it. never think that anyone, like if there was ever going to be someone that's going to be more obsessed with dicks than me. Or Russia. Putin. <laughs> <laughs> or Putin. Oh my god. What I'm saying I did no idea. Russia? I'm very I I mean, we can we we can do another deep dive into into just what other languages and why and how they evolved. But but you said how funny, ironic it is that 
Russia in 2021 seems to be particularly interested in where you put your dick. It's I'll almost, tell you why, because they don't shut the fuck it's up It's almost like it. the most homophobic people in the world are ones that have slight homophobic tendencies themselves deep down. Because Weird. They can't keep dick out of they their mouths. Exactly. I don't know how they're going to keep it out of their ass. As long as we're on, as long as we're on language, that was my question. Number mm. one is fuck or all of our curse words. Are they considered English words? We are speaking about English curse words. Yes. And it's so fuck is considered an English curse word. Yeah. Even though its roots, as we've discussed, the, the Many roots languages. may be Viking, the roots may be Roman. So, but as we speak the word "fuck" in English in 2021, yes, that, for example, these 748 when the Viking "fucka" came up from that language, ten other languages have since grown up: Norwegian, Danish, Swedish, right? So that they may have a "fuck" that sounds similar to us. For example, in French, it's "foutois." Ooh. That sounds very similar. Foutois. Is fuck you in French. So it, foutois. It feels and sounds very similar because the branches uh, of the language are closer to the. Trunk I feel like it's the consonants that is expressing the emotion. Does it that really make when sense? When you want to be German. Would you say that fuck is universally understood for, through any language? Like if you went anywhere, it was like fuck. They'd be like, oh, I, I, he's obviously upset or very excited, but they would get it. That's a very good question. Would anyone everywhere understand the word fuck? I would guess, this is a pure guess, that in 2021, almost everyone would know that the word fuck is serious. Even if they didn't necessarily know what it meant. Because it would be very difficult with the media and the ways in which we communicate and the dominance in that media largely in the Western world, of English. Right. And of sort of romantic languages that share a lot of these vowels and consonants, that you would have to be pretty far removed to hear the word fuck and be like, sounds like a lovely well, lady's a, name. Yeah. Sounds- or, for instance, when let's say you're watching, you know, a Tarantino film with, uh, I don't know, another language's subtitles, would fuck, would they replace fuck with something else or would they just leave fuck? That's a very good question. I don't know the answer to that, but my guess is that most languages have, if they're watching Pulp Fiction and they're getting it, they got a word for fuck. Okay. Or a word like fuck that is used in a two guys looking at each other who want to kill each other and are trying to find a sharp word to get each other's heart rate up. Every language, I guarantee, has that word. Whether or not it's related to sexual intercourse and whether or not the vowels and consonants sound like ours... Who knows? But that every human being who wants the person across from them to feel pain with the words they're saying has a word. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so we have covered the neurological history of cursing in general from the OGs, hell, damn, God, through fuck and how much the Russians love dick. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, girl. We're going to get into the shit. My first podcast intermission. See you in a fucking minute. (laughs) Intermission? Can you believe it? Over an hour and two bottles of wine later, and we were, in fact, only half done. There was so much more great fucking material in this episode that it stretched its beautiful yams into two episodes. So join us in two weeks for the next Hilf episode where I continue my conversation with Ryan. Uh, We go hard into the shit. 
We turn left at the other F word and then travel effortlessly down the path from pussy to cunt until we finally get to a word so hot and so sharp, even I don't say it. Mm -hmm. Two weeks to the release of part two. In the meantime, do us a solid and take a moment to leave us a review wherever you're listening. Share this episode, maybe with your uptight aunt who will really squirm and subscribe so you never miss the updates. And we'd love to hear your favorite swear word and the colorful ways in which you use it. So drop us a line at Hilf Podcast or HilfPodcast at gmail.com. We'd be gall darn glad to hear from you. <laughs>